Welcome to our Clothe with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Friday, September the 15th, 2023. Today is the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. This is one of my favorite feasts. And our reading today is from the gospel according to St. John. We have a couple options. I'm going to read John's gospel. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home. So many ways to go with this, so many things to talk about today, but I do have to keep it brief. I can't go for the usual 15, 20 hours like I normally do. Uh, you think I'm kidding, but no, so, you know, I've had many uh, <laughs> people over the years that have showed concern that I would talk too long. I'm going to try to keep this succinct today, but of all of Mary's mysteries, of all of Mary's doctrines and dogmas. This is a doctrine. It's not a dogma, but it is, according to Pope John Paul, it's Mary's highest glory, what we celebrate here today. It goes back to the passage. Well, there's two passages. One where a woman in the crowd says, blessed are the the breasts at which you were nourished, blessed is the womb that bore you. And Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and follow it. And in another passage, uh, Jesus is told your mother and your brothers are outside. And he says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Those who essentially the same thing, those who hear the word of God, those who follow it, those who do God's will. So, some hear that and they think Jesus is snubbing his mother. Jesus is saying, ah, she's not that important. Well, being the mother of God, we can talk about that more on January 1st, and we can talk about that more on a hundred other occasions, because uh, that's a very, very high honor, a great dignity. It means a lot of things. Did you know that after a mother gives birth, some of the cells of her child still remain inside her body? until she leaves this world. So therefore the true presence of Jesus, <laughs> body and soul remained in Mary her whole life. There's so much we can say about Mary's motherhood. And really there are four dogmas about Mary. Let's just mention them briefly. It's her motherhood. She is mother of God, not simply mother of human flesh, but mother of the person who is God. She is perpetually a virgin she was assumed into heaven, and she is the Immaculate Conception. She was conceived without sin, and she never committed a sin her entire life. Yet, based on that passage of Jesus, Pope John Paul, in his encyclical Redemptorist Mater, 1987, said, Jesus is telling us that Mary's highest dignity is not her motherhood or her virginity or her even being without sin but rather it's her perfect discipleship. Jesus says the greatest honor, the greatest glory, the greatest blessing. And by the way, Mary predicted all generations would call her blessed. And that already started right there in the gospel. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. 
So her highest honor, anyone's highest honor is to be a follower of Jesus. Mary followed him perfectly. So this does piggyback on the immaculate conception, her being without sin, but it's also reflected in the gospels that Mary is there at every key moment. Mary follows him perfectly. So she's there, of course, at the conception, the birth, all the events that happened in his childhood. But then she's there in the public ministry as those two quotes evidence. She's there at his first public miracle, the wedding of Cana. She is there at the cross. She's also there in the early church, preparing the apostles to receive the Holy Spirit. So we see her all throughout at all the key moments. And the most important moment is the cross. This is what we celebrate today. Mary at the cross, our lady of sorrows. We say now, I mean, there's different terms that are used, which according to the theologians are problematic terms. Like she's the mediatrix of all graces. She's the uh, co-redemptress. So we don't say formally speaking, she's the co-redemptress because there's a fear that a lot of people would not understand that. And it wouldn't be good for ecumenism, I guess. Uh, also her being mediatrix of all graces. We believe that, but we don't say it. We were looking for better terms. So when I was in school, I had a wonderful professor on Mariology. It's what we call the study of Mary. And he said, instead of saying mediatrix of all graces, say, uh, universal maternal mediation as a mother, she prays for us and it's universal. She's in everything. So that's one mystery for a different day. But the mystery we celebrate today is her unique cooperation in redemption. In other words, Mary was there with Jesus at the foot of the cross. And this goes back to another, another verse from St. Paul, I make up in myself what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Let's talk about that for a moment. Now, does this, when St. Paul says that, I make up in my own body, in my own self, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, is St. Paul saying that Jesus' sacrifice was not perfect, that Jesus messed up, so therefore we have to do the rest? No, <laughs> we're not saying in any way that Jesus is imperfect, that Jesus didn't get the job done. Rather, I mean, and there are things that Jesus is saying from the cross that reveal this, such as, I thirst. Even though he's, you know, so many theologians and saints over the generations have said, I thirst, isn't simply referring to the fact that Jesus is physically thirsty, but he thirsts for our souls. He thirsts for our love. He thirsts for us to respond to his grace. He's doing this for us. He's literally pouring out his life and enduring the greatest pain, but so many will not receive his redemption. And other things at the cross reflect that. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's a reference. It's referring to all of us, not just the Pharisees that put him to death, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, the Jews at the time. But even when he says, you know, amen, I say to you, this day you will be with me in paradise. That's Jesus's intention for all of us. He loves us insanely. That's why he's doing this. And he wants to take us all to paradise. But even though his end of the deal is perfect, his side of the cross, St. Paul is referring to the fact that each of us has to do our part. We have to receive that grace. We have to follow him. We have to take up our own crosses. 
And we should live our lives at the foot of the cross. This is what the Mass does. The Mass makes this present. Once again, I wasn't going to make this a teaching about the Mass today, so I'll just make a brief mention of it. The Mass makes present the sacrifice of Christ. What Jesus is doing on the cross for us, Jesus' death, his, his passion, of course, everything that goes into it, and Mary being at the foot of the cross means Mary's at the foot of the altar at every Mass. She's helping us to pray. She's helping us to receive him. She's joining with us as we offer Jesus to the Father. The priest does it through his priestly office. Therefore, Mass can be said without any congregation. But when there is a congregation, as lay people, especially lay that have been baptized, that therefore share in the universal priesthood of Christ, there is the ministerial priesthood, but there's also the priesthood of the baptized. They're two different things, but they're connected. So yes, everyone can offer Jesus to the Father. So Mary is there with us at Mass offering, which means, yeah, Mary at the crucifixion was offering Jesus to the Father. Mary, and I haven't even gotten to just how she suffered, you know, what she was doing there. But it shows, as we're talking about this, and I know I'm going in a lot of different directions here, but Mary is at the cross. Mary follows Jesus perfectly. We all need to make up in ourselves what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, meaning we have to do our part. Mary does her part par excellence. And how do we know this? Well, her being the Immaculate Conception, but also her being his mother. He doesn't have a wife. He still has his mother. The mother's there with him, which means if he is truly a good Jew, which we know he is, he's a perfect Jew of that, you know, religious practice at that time in that place. And that means his mother gave consent to everything that he did. He was still under the direction, the care of his mother in a sense. And so we say that Mary, and this goes back to her being mediatrix, Mary gave consent to everything that Jesus did, including his death. So as Jesus is dying, Mary's not just enduring it in a passive way. Mary's consenting to it. Mary is offering it. What exactly is she consenting to now? What exactly is part of this great dignity to which Mary has been called that is even greater than being the mother of God? Well, Jesus says himself, being my disciple. How is Mary the perfect disciple? Well, as mother of a son who's perfect and she herself is perfect, they have souls that have a connection The souls themselves and the connection that they share is very similar to that of Adam and Eve before the fall. So, and you know, we have so many people here on earth, in the church, outside of the church even, that have, you know, I don't know, I might be using the wrong terminology, but like a psychic connection, you know, there's like a joining of hearts, there's a connection. I can't tell you how many times in my life, you know, my mother uh, was worried about me. I was doing something that might've been dangerous. My mother knew already before she was told. And then I called her and what's wrong. And she said, Oh, I was praying for you. Cause I knew something was going on. And I mean, that's happened numerous times in my life. Numerous other people have told me similar stories. So there is a bond between mother and child. The complementarity of the sexes also intensifies that bond. And so Mary and Jesus have a bond. So chances are they could read each other's minds. Even if they couldn't, chances are they felt each other's pain. 
We, we believe this. They felt each other's pain. They, uh, when one prayed, the other was involved. You know, supernaturally, they were so in tune with the Holy Spirit. They had both received the same Spirit at the same time in the Annunciation, the Incarnation of Jesus in the womb of Mary. So Mary, we often think of maybe her being at the foot of the cross as adding to the pain because his mother has to see him that way because, um, you know, Jesus doesn't want his mother to suffer. The mother doesn't want the son to suffer. But at the same time, there is a consolation. I read an article once that really just, you know, you have these moments where you're just blown away by what you see. The author was talking about since Jesus and Mary both are without sin, therefore they have the fullness of the spirit and therefore their joy cannot be taken from them. Even when Jesus is literally experiencing the pains of hell that cause him to say, father, why have you abandoned me? Mary is feeling his pain too. There's a total perfect sympathy and empathy between the two of them. And so therefore, because they're filled with the spirit, no one can take away their joy. Did you ever have suffering in your life yet you're joyful at the same time? You're maybe even excited because you're accomplishing something. Maybe it's the birth of a child. Maybe it's, I don't know. I often use this image when talking to kids. You love a sport. You love football. So you're at football camp and you're suffering through the exercises, but you love it at the same time. Jesus and Mary have perfect love, perfect joy, perfect peace despite everything they're going through, which isn't just physical pain, it's emotional pain. It's carrying the sins of the world. So Jesus and Mary give consolation and joy to each other during that time. I love the scene in Mel Gibson's Passion where Mary runs over to help Jesus when he's fallen, and he says, See, Mother, I have made all things new. I mean, when we see that scene where often people are in tears, it's devastating. It's, it's just heart-wrenching. And, of course, it's a quote from Revelation. It's, it's a theological truth. Jesus is transforming the universe by his passion and death. Yet it's also a joke. <laughs> Do we ever think of it that way? They have perfect joy between the two of them. Jesus is saying to his mother indirectly, I got this, Mom. And look, I'm going to tell you a joke. Look, I make all things new. He, it's a theological, intense truth. Yet at the same time, it's funny. He's lying on the ground, bloody. He's about to die. And he, sees, and he says, look, mom, <laughs> look, no hands. I'm riding my bike, no hands. Anyway, I mean, it's hard to even hear this because we're thinking about this intense pain. But we have to remember, they're not like us. We're supposed to be becoming like them. We should be filled with the Holy Spirit more and more. I know people in my life that have it so good in their lives, and yet they're constantly miserable. They're always looking for something to be upset about. And it's so obvious to me they don't have the Lord. They don't have Jesus in their heart. Here Jesus is lying on the ground bloody, about to die, and he's making a joke. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit fills us with joy, and they possess that perfectly, and they share it with each other. But yes, Mary shared in Jesus's pain, and that includes what I talked about yesterday, the sins, the guilt of the whole world from the beginning to the end, from Adam and Eve until the end of time. Jesus is feeling that pain. He's God. He's a perfect man. He can feel that pain. He's feeling it. He's carrying the cross, not just on his shoulders, but within himself. 
He's carrying the greatest pain, and that is our isolation from God that our sins have caused, many of whom are going to end up in hell because they don't choose to turn back. Jesus is feeling all of that. Jesus descends into hell at the end. So Jesus is experiencing the pains of hell in that separation and in other ways. He's, he's experiencing the greatest possible suffering. And Mary shares the pain with him. Of course, it has to be clarified in saying her unique cooperation in our redemption. It's unique. It's not Jesus's. Like, I mean, she's sharing his pain, but she's not the Savior. She is not redeeming us, but she's praying for us. She's interceding for us. And she's also not just like the rest of us that are callous towards this. No matter how much we meditate on it. No matter how many times, even if we did the Stations of the Cross every day of our lives, we're never going to experience this the way that she did. We're never going to receive all the graces from it as she did. And then there's the issue of what does she do with all those graces? She doesn't need them for herself because she's never sinned. So Mary, Mary's heart is like a big warehouse filled with grace. The church actually has... Uh, what we would call like a storehouse of grace. The tree, you know, this is how things like indulgences work and all the special graces that are given to us when we say certain prayers and do certain exercises. So Mary is part of that par excellence. She's, she's the head of it all. The church is just storehouse of grace. The, Mary stores it all up within her and it's all there for us, which is why her intercession for us is so powerful. It's one of the reasons why, plus just being his mother. And then through all this, he gives her to us as our mother. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, the stars, the crown of stars around her head, and how she labors in pain to give birth. Well, the virgin birth means that Mary did not have pain in childbirth. So why is she laboring in pain? She's laboring in pain to give birth because she's giving birth to each one of us. Her suffering at the foot of the cross is her labor pains as you and I are being born into salvation. And so it's the moment that Jesus gives her to us as a mother is the moment of her giving birth to you and me. It all goes together. So Mary is, and and remember too, all the physical pain, she's feeling it. She's feeling the crown of thorns. She's feeling the pierced hands and the pierced feet in a way that nobody else can. I mean, as, as mother, as a perfect mother, perfect mother of a perfect son, they're sharing this together. Mary's enduring it. Mary is making up in herself what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And it's for our sake She's storing it all up so that you and I can go to her, so that you and I can benefit from her. And so what does this mean for us? Well, one thing I've always loved to meditate on throughout my life, like I said at the beginning, this is one of my favorite feasts, because Mary, um, she calls us, she invites us, especially as we pray the Mass, to join her at the cross, to console her motherly heart. John is there in the person of each one of us. What John does is so profound. He stays with his mother when she's going through her greatest pain. John, in a sense, not just in a sense, and in a very powerful way, John is our father too. He's one of the apostles. He certainly had his own uh, 
you know, flock. So yeah, they considered him a father, but he is a father. He's a spiritual father to all of us because he was there with Mary. At least we could call him a big brother, if nothing else. He's there with mom as she's going through her greatest pain. And what is that pain? It's a pain of giving birth to each of us. And then John is there sharing that pain. So the place of St. John is the place of you and me this day on this feast, but every day of our lives to hold Mary's hand, to wrap our arms around Mary, rather let her wrap her arms around us as Jesus right there in front of us is dying, not just for some mass of humanity, but he's dying for you in particular. He's dying for me. If there was nobody else on earth, he would still be doing it. So Jesus endures this for all of us. And we are called to gratitude. We are called to worship. When we worship, when we receive sacraments, when we pray, it all goes through that cross. The cross is the opening between earth and heaven. Jesus's blood pays the price. His death and his passing to the netherworld or another, whatever, <laughs> the, the other world, the other side, his descent into hell, his rising into heaven, all that happens through the cross. The cross makes it possible. Jesus unites in his person, heaven and earth and uniting to Jesus in his cross, especially through the Eucharist is literally what saves us and enables us to go to heaven. So we thank our blessed mother for everything that we celebrate on this feast day. We pray to her that she will Help us to just love her and Jesus more and more, especially through this mystery that we may always remain at the foot of the cross and we may always receive all that grace that comes to us from the cross. Happy feast day, everyone. God bless.